evening, afternoon or morning? Which one is it? Good after lunch. <laughs> it's the pod zone. That's the timing. <laughs> In the pod world, it's always something o'clock. Well, I think probably the time that suits us is the witching hour, don't you? <laughs> the switching hour. The bitching hour. <laughs> the snitching hour. <laughs> Well, given the quality the of the sound, re- hour. <laughs> given the quality of this sound recording, it'll be the glitching hour. I don't think so. We're tip-top quality these days. We finally got it right after about thirty episodes. <laughs> I just my headphones just <laughs> fell out of my ear and clunked onto the desk with a bang. Well, with the exception of fifty percent of us, as if to prove the point. Anyway, mm, Victoria Mitzi, famous journalist, podcaster, mother of one, resident of the, the mouth of the plim. How are you? <laughs> really well, really well. I say that with no gusto whatsoever. How about Ben Ando, former BBC correspondent, author, and all round rub your noser in it. Now, how do I say that? Oh, condescending individual I don't think I'm condescending at all I think it's really harsh of you to say that to me do you know what's really funny is that you come across as and and you are ostensibly a very chatty very warm guy but actually you get to know that you hardly ever listen to what anyone says unless it's got to do with you (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yeah you hardly listen you've seen right through me obviously Yeah, so you're a bit of a fraudster in some I'll tell you one thing, it's very very true that every time I look at a load of photographs that people show me, family (laughs) photos, the only ones I really care about looking at are the ones with me in. Well, who doesn't do that? I think um, we suit each other. (laughs) What are we talking about today? Can I just say that um, I wouldn't be here unless I thought you were a good journalist. Oh, okay, well that's very kind of you, thank you. Um, It's also because you're quite a train spotter. Oh yeah, that's true. You have to be an anorak to be a good journalist. And we were just talking about it, weren't we, Ben? Yeah, you, you were ribbing me for my love of <laughs> figures and facts. Your lack of love of figures and facts and statistics. Actually, no, it wasn't facts, it was statistics. Because you started yawning on about corona statistics. And I thought, <laughs> nobody needs that. Well, they were fairly dull statistics, to be fair. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Hooray. Here we are, raining, raining, raining. You didn't let me finish. Did you start? No, I didn't actually. Um, so this podcast is then? us just chatting about stuff, and today we are talking about. Do you In want to say what we're talking respect. about, or do you want me to oh, say yes, what we're I talking do, about? Oh yes, I do, because this is quite particularly adulty this week. So oh, yeah. if you're of a sensitive disposition, switch off, or maybe you want to turn your microphones down for the bits that we talk about: dildos, Yorkshire Ripper, and phone being stashed up somebody's rectum. It's sex, 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 and almost always not in a good way. <laughs> I don't know if phone up a bum is sex. I don't know what your idea of sex is, Ben. <laughs> uh, uh, sexy time. <laughs> phone in bottom, sexy time. <laughs> oh, don't get me there again, because I think it's just you and me who thinks that's funny. <laughs> is it Okay. Okay, we'll yeah, so we, we, we pepper crime with a bit of news, or is it the other way around? Um, we pepper... We just, I'm salty <laughs> and you're peppery. <laughs> salt and... Who was it? Was it Ian? No, who was it who said we were salt it and pepper? Ian. It was yes. Ian, wasn't it? Yeah, salt and pepper. A salt with a deadly pepper. Ian's amazing because he reviews so many podcasts a week. It's amazing how much podcast listening that he does. So if he thinks we're good... Is he or, King Poddo? What did I call him? Pod... I did the, call him... The Podmeister. 
Podmeister, I think so, yeah. Yeah. But I do, um, I've got a lot of respect for that because I used to listen to a lot of podcasts and then I got into the biz and now I just listen to my set two or three. I won't tell you what they are. I'll leave you guessing. This is coming back to like when you look at photos and you only want to look at photos of yourself. I bet you've reached a point now where the only podcast you listen to is this one. You tell lots of people you listen to their podcasts, but you don't. Well, the thing is, I listen to this podcast because it makes me chortle. <laughs> how can you? How can things you say make you laugh? I literally, I do not lie when I say that I, I'm chortling away. It's to the general ambience. I feel like that I'm with you and me, and I'm me. It's crazy. You're you. You're you. Yeah, so now we've got to the bottom of that, we can all go home. <laughs> oh no, let's talk about bottoms. So this week, of course, I mean, you know, 2020, let's face it, has been a pretty shit year. But there's been a couple of tiny little, I don't know, do, do, do I want to call them silver linings? I'm not entirely sure they qualify as silver linings. How about nugget? Slightly less brown linings, maybe. Nuggets. Brown nuggets. <laughs> Muck nuggets. And um, <laughs> they're even worse. Death um, nuggets. One of them is, of course, that Donald Trump lost the, gen- the, the US election. Yay! Yay! I just love the fact that he is now going to be known forevermore as the world's biggest loser. When it's the kind of thing that he hates more than anything. Oh, that fills me with <laughs> such joy. Did someone park a truck outside the White House saying loser? Oh, world's biggest loser on it, I hope so. It just said oh. loser. <laughs> That's all it needs to say, a big L. That just gladdens the heart, doesn't it? And uh, it couldn't happen to more unpleasant, obnoxious man. And the other story, of course, is that um, the Yorkshire Ripper, Peter Sutcliffe, um, has died um, of apparently COVID-related um, illness. Yes. What do you make of what that, Victoria? Year? What a year, goods and bads. About the COVID illness? Yeah. Well, we're back to the sea again, aren't we? The big sea. We are back to the big sea. But, I mean, you know, it's, it's you know, coronavirus, let's face it, has kind of... Um, you know, ruined a lot of people's lives this year. Um, joblessness, um, hits on the economy, and so on and so forth. Not but, to mention know, socially isolation. Oh yeah, and mental stuff. health and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it is. I th- yeah, I mean that whole social isolation is horrid. Basically, horrid, horrid. a bit yawn. It, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just horrible. It's just, it's just awful. Have you noticed though the way, and especially down here, down here, yeah, people refer to it as oh, COVID. Like it's kind of it's like an era. It's like when people talk about the you know the the peace and what what was the hippie era and things like that. The punk era. It's now COVID. What it's the just summer all, of love? It's that just referred to as yeah COVID. Oh, before COVID. If you're coughing in San Francisco, be sure to wear some COVID in your hair. Hmm. I had to think about that for a moment, but it means uh, nothing. No, it means absolutely nothing at all. <laughs> um, but do you know what I mean? They just go, oh yeah, and then and then so and so went there, and then they went here, and then they got COVID, and it was it was you know then COVID happened, and then and then it was COVID. Oh, it was okay. Like, it just describes well, they talk the whole about thing. It like a period of time. Yes, it's like, like an era. It was, like, they talk about it like a season. Like then it was autumn, then it was winter, That's then it was right. COVID. Okay. Yeah. But it's got all these implications of furlough and blah, blah, yawn, isolation, blah, blah, working from home, blah, blah. <laughs> it would make more sense if you're going to San Francisco, be sure to wear a mask on your face, wouldn't it? That would make more sense. Before you die. There you go. That's my uh, contribution to the ditty. Uh, well, to everything there is a season, and this is the season for COVID. Anyway. Turn, turn, turn. Well, goodness me, there's, there's a musician in the house. <laughs> you, were, what, you were a pop star once, a really shit one. 
Was I a shit pop star? Probably. I don't well, know. I, I thought you. I thought you were involved in like singing on a record or something, weren't you? I did. did I did once sing in a. Oh, mm, <laughs> you don't yeah. want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so should I, we dwell on? Should we dwell on this point? Am then? I picking at a particularly unpleasant scab? <laughs> I was just doing that though. This podcast makes me do that because I'm sitting in one place and I get fidgety. What, you get calluses that you have to pick out on your bottom? Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I was doing. I was actually squeezing the pass out of a cyst. <laughs> They're called pod sores. You like things like that. If I bet you anything, if you get one of those Facebook poppy uppy things of things that you can pop, I bet you click on it. You think I'm a popper? You know, that I, do you get them? I've had a couple of videos at least of, look at this biggest pimple, poppy pimple thing. Do you get them? Oh, well, there's that TV show, isn't there? Dr. Pimple Popper. Have you not seen her? <laughs> no. She's like some kind of dermatologist in LA or somewhere. And she basically has all these people in with these massive kind of awful skin conditions. And I mean, you, you, and at the end of the day, you know, you tune in hoping to watch a big explosive pop. That's what you tune in for. And you kind of, you know, you, you get, you, it? You get you, yeah, you get a pretty high sort of, you know, pop to moment ratio. Is she Dr. Pimple Pimpernel? She, she, she's, she's called, no, the show is called Dr. Pimple Popper. <laughs> I didn't just make that she up, honestly. She should be Dr. Pimpernel. <laughs> anyway, so. Do you watch um, it? I've seen it do. a couple of times. I've seen it a couple yeah. of times. So Peter you Sutcliffe... You watch the heading videos, by the way. <laughs> well, everyone. yeah, we used to have to watch those as part of our job when I was a journalist. I mean, Yeah, it was but horrid. you told me that you watched others or were you just showing off? I was probably just showing off. But I have, no, okay. I've, watched, I've watched some of them because you have to. It's part of the job, unfortunately. It was really oh, We get horrid. that bit, but I also but think when, that you go first... home with your digestive but biscuit when... and cup of tea. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't set my feet up, you know, watching beheading videos for shits and giggles. Um but no, it was when they when the, the first beheading videos sort of came started to circulate. And this is kind of the very relatively early days of sort of you know mass use of the internet. It was just so shocking. It was just so shocking that that you know that would be filmed and that would happen. But anyway, have been, what in that specific way you mean? Yeah, I mean that that right in the early days of sort of um, uh, well, I suppose I'm going ISIS. back now to sort of 2005, 2006 when sort of jihadi terrorism started to um become a big thing in in sort of you know iraq and uh, in that sort of area and there were people like i think there was a guy called nick berg was there a journalist who was kidnapped and then murdered uh, there was a britain called kenneth bigley and it was i know it was when tony blair was still prime minister so this must be what mm. pre-2008 2007 mm. sort of time and they they were releasing videos of him in an orange jumpsuit with guys standing behind him with a big knife and he was sort of, you know, it was like pleading for his life and Mr. Blair had to do something. And of course, you know, the British government didn't do anything and he had his head cut off. It was just horrid. Yeah, I was just about to say, oh, let me guess, did Tony Blair do nothing? <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, of course, you can't do anything because the more you do, the more you encourage them to it's kidnap like more people. It's like ransoms, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean... I could have said it after you, but I wanted to say it during... No, that's fair speaking. enough. I mean, it was nice that you didn't let me finish. You didn't let me Anyway, you know, so Peter Sutcliffe, he uh, died this week. He refused treatment after um, suffering from a COVID, from COVID. Um, but, I mean, you know, we talk about underlying health problems. It's quite well known, I think, and well documented that he'd had long-term heart problems. But And plus he kept on being beaten up in prison, didn't he? 
well, quite I mean, seriously attacked. He, he was attacked a couple of times, yes, certainly. And there's been lots of talk about this. And of course, you know, we can't go over the whole thing. I mean, you know, the, the yeah. basics that everybody will know are that in a five-year period from uh, 1975 to 1980, he, uh, I think, attacked 20 women and murdered 15 of them. Many, but not all. So he had killed th- uh, 13 of them. He attacked 20 and killed 13. Many, but not all, were sex workers. And, I, and what I really want to talk about is that lessons the police have learned and the blunders that really allowed him to get away with it for five years and I mean I think that's an interesting story in itself it is uh, yeah um, and first but did you be- cover it at all Obviously, no, I it was before of my, my time. Young, you know, my he was arrested years. in 1980. I didn't even start in my first journalistic job until 1989. So he was arrested uh, nine years before I became a practicing journalist. But I remember it from my childhood. You Practice know, I mean, makes I, perfect. <laughs> no, not for me, it didn't. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I remember it from my childhood. Um, I don't know if you will. You're probably a bit too young, aren't you? What were you, four when he was arrested? Something like that, yes. <laughs> Something like that. Something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We still a glint in the milkman's eye. That's right. Can I just say, <coughs> the Daily Mail has described Peter Sutcliffe, they say that he had saturnine good looks. Is that how you describe it? Saturnine? Um, Saturnine. I mean, he was... I mean, well, his, his wife, Sonia, stood by him for a while, certainly. And he... I mean, he was, you know, they, they were, I mean, over the years, I mean, I think another thing that became well known was that he had an awful lot of, um, dare I say, deluded women writing to him in jail, becoming fascinated by him and sort of striking up sort of pen friendships with him. That often happens, doesn't it? It even happened with Joseph Fritzl, apparently. Oh, God, that was you writing to him. <laughs> <laughs> you you oh, love Fritzl. No, I'm just. I just think that one's crazy. One. <laughs> you, Mitz. That's one. Hey, Mitz. he's crazy. <laughs> Mitzel loves Fritzel. <laughs> and his schnitzel. <laughs> Mitzel and Fritzel schnitzel. sitting in the Not tree. Not a bad thing to come out of Austria. <laughs> it's Mitzel's schnitzel. <laughs> Don't you love a schnitzel? I do mm. love a schnitzel. Schnitzel's lovely. I've got a great recipe for schnitzel, actually. Oh, have you? Yes. Do, you do you batter the meat? Oh, you've got to beat the meat. You've got to beat your meat. <laughs> I meant beat. How could I, the lover of all things... Beaten. Tittery. <laughs> <laughs> Missed that one. Well, there you go. Um, no, so so Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper, dies. And th- let's talk about the blunders. So there were, there were various things that um, really didn't help the police. And the first and most basic one was how they were filing stuff. Because... Uh, this the inve- the investigation was um, centred on uh, Milgarth Police Station in Leeds, and they were using old kind of card references or reference cards to stack up all the various evidence and things in the incident room there, and. This card index system became just overwhelmed with information. There were so many cards, they weren't properly cross-referenced. And it meant that evidence that pointed to Peter Sutcliffe got lost in the system because quite early on, they had a consistent uh, description of him. They had a very good photo fit from one of his earliest victims, which they dismissed because that victim in 1976, so just a year after he started, was from a woman who wasn't a sex worker. And at that time, they were convinced that he was only targeting prostitutes. So they missed that. They'd missed a really good photo fit for him. They missed the fact that he had size seven shoes because that got missed, which is, you know, for, for, for a man, and that was an a adult very man. important fact because he left footprints. He left and... footprints, but also that's, that's character... 
sort of uncharacteristically small. I mean, most men have si- larger feet than a size seven. That's true. Um, they missed that. They well, they they eliminated him because they had this hoaxer called Weirside Jack, who they believed, who who wasn't true. But they got so focused on Weirside Jack actually being the Ripper and having notes that he sent them that when Sutcliffe's handwriting didn't match those those notes, they they dismissed that against him. So they had lots of evidence that it was Peter Sutcliffe, and they were just couldn't get over their idea that it was actually this Weirside Jack fellow, this hoaxer, and that meant that he was allowed to carry on killing. Or attacking and killing. Didn't um, they actually for... find um, a pound note, or a f- I think it was a five-pound note, at the scene of one of the crimes, and um, trace him through thousands of banknotes and something clever, and then um, interview him and let him go after that. Well, they interviewed him several times. Absolutely right. Yes, um, you know because of that uh, was... amazing <laughs> serial number on one of the pay packets. That's right. It was found in the pocket of um, one of the victims in Manchester, which uh, was traced to one of six companies which employed him as a lorry driver. But he was. And wasn't uh... it that he paid? He paid her and then went back to retrieve it. <laughs> well, he he was interviewed. He was given an alibi by his wife. But there was another one where you talked about boot prints. So they found a picture. They sh- they showed him a picture of the Ripper's boot print near a body during another interview. But the two officers who were there didn't notice that he was actually wearing that pair of boots on his feet oh at the time. Oh my god! But the thing is, Ben, I I think that most of our true crimers will know all this stuff. So oh, yeah. I think it's not, you know, I think it's kind of the offshoots that are quite interesting because that is in itself quite widely known. But so is the fact that this man clearly harboured a savage hatred of women. Yes, you absolutely. Know, that's another yeah, aspect yeah, that has completely. been surfacing because it's changed an awful lot now. The way that people, society see women has changed an awful lot. But it leads me on to an email that we've received max um i find it astounding that how badly the whole thing was handled but it's no good saying how systems have been improved which is what i was just saying and what reminded me of this that they simply ignored women's evidence because they thought that they were women of ill repute is shocking and i can't get over it so um that ties into what i was saying in the fact that they did dismiss all of this and who knows that's one of my personal feelings about this case it's been said about other serial killers as well you know between between 76 to 80 12 women were murdered what could have changed had the police seen those women as women and not simply prostitutes well, the, the, the big point there is what I mentioned, which is that they decided that he was targeting prostitutes. And when they had a woman who came forward and said she had been attacked by, the, by this man, because she was clearly not a prostitute, or at that time, you know, wasn't, 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 was, well, she wasn't a prostitute, um, they dismissed her and decided that the really accurate photo fit description she was able to give them uh, wasn't the right man. Now, if they believed, if they hadn't sort of said, okay, well, he's only attacking prostitutes, therefore we can discount any other attacks on women, that was a huge mistake. So, yeah, so the fact that they, they, they believed he had this, I don't know, divine mission to kill prostitutes, he, he claimed he claimed in his trial that he'd been directed by God to kill prostitutes, but, uh, you know, and the police kind of bought into this as well. What they should have been doing, really, is just saying, look, this is clearly a man who, whatever his motive, clearly is attacking females, he's attacking women, and that 
that would have really set them on the right path straight that's away. That's exactly what I said. Treat them as women and not just as sex Absolutely, workers. yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, and in fact, the police offering an apology, I took in two ways. You know, West Yorkshire police saying that it's a heartfelt apology to the surviving victims and their families and also apologising for language and tone. You know, I think it's a big step forward, but actually I agree with Max, it's not enough. You've got to look at the way that women are treated. You know, the Ipswich murders, which we've covered in our podcast, so you can listen back to that if you want to. Um, Those were, again, you know, was much learnt. Apologies can be issued, but we just would need to see it in practice. Well, I think, well, I mean, the the Ipswich murders were awful and shocking, of course. And, I mean, when we spoke to Alistair, I mean, he he was involved in those. and He did, you know, some of the, um, uh, the, the, the policing around that. Yes. Alistair had to do, you know, securing locations, you know, and, and of course, you know, at that time he was an Ipswich police officer when that was going on. Steve Wright, the uh, the Ipswich killer, he was active for about a week or two weeks and then he got caught. Yes, and of course you can listen back to the interview with Alistair Livingston. Um, it's it's a really good one. Just um, have a look back with, through our podcast link wherever you get your podcasts. Go on, Ben. So... You know, you know, Peter Sutcliffe was able to carry on killing for five years and attacked 20 women, killing 13 of them. Steve Wright attacked five women. He killed five women and he was caught in, I think it was a fortnight. It was a much, much, much short period of time. And that's because I believe the police had learned lessons and they were more focused and targeted and they were able to see all the evidence. Having said that, you know... It, <laughs> I suppose if you are a sex worker, you you are in a high-risk profession when it comes to being uh, attacked and being a victim of violence. And I think what would what would help a lot is if the whole thing was decriminalised and it w- wasn't even a matter for the police um, what people do in, in private. But, you know, we're, we're kind of well, not really there yet. That's, again, yes, that's a big issue as well. Um, the other thing that came out to me was the offshoots from these crimes and the fact that his first victim's daughter took her own life. It was Sonia Newlands and it was her mother, Wilma McCann, who was the first victim in October 1975. And Wilma McCann's son went on to write a couple of bestsellers. I've got, every time I click on something, I just get a man with a phone up his bottom. <laughs> <laughs> It was um, her brother Richard. They've suffered terribly, and those those two people, on the night their mother disappeared, um, she was doing sex work. The seven-year-old and five-year-old that they were went and waited for their mother because their, their babysitter had had to leave uh, at the bus stop that she usually came home to and, of course, never came. And he says himself that... Uh, her son says that had it been... Had it not been such a dark and overcast type of bad weather day that they probably would have seen their own mother's body which was just at the back of their house that's heartbreaking isn't it it's i mean this is what it really means and this is what you know if somebody's proven to have such distorted mental health that they are not responsible seem to be responsible for their actions that's a different thing but that wasn't proven with peter sutcliffe and it's so evil to know the repercussions and also to not confess for, to certain things as he didn't. Hmm. Um, if you want to, just in case you want to, there's some audio of Richard McCann on the BBC website. Oh, is there? Yeah. Have you listened to it? Uh, no, but I've noticed, I've seen it there. 
before she took her own life, Newlands, Wilma McCann's daughter, said everybody thinks of the Yorkshire Ripper and the terrible crimes that he committed, but there are 25 children of the victims that nobody does remember. So that's why I thought it was, you know, that, that poignant story was worth a mention just to put it in context, really. Well, that's incredibly poignant. And also, I mean, you know, we should, I suppose, mention as well um, Assistant Chief Constable George Oldfield of West Yorkshire Police. Now, he was in overall command of the hunt. Um, he uh, were, was working 18-hour days and uh, he had, you know, a 200-strong squad, squad of officers um, under him. But he also blamed himself for falling victim to the weird sign Jack Hoax. And in 1979, um, before the Ripper was caught, he had a heart attack and was uh, at the age of 57 and was moved off the case. And friends say he was never the same again and have described yeah. him as the Ripper's 14th victim. I yeah. Mean, well, so, he, they ruin lives. And yeah, I, don't mean, I don't want to sound, you know, virtuous and high and mighty, but it really does touch you when researching these crimes because it does impact so many people in so many different ways. And only if you sort of put yourself as is the adage, isn't it, in, in these people's shoes. You kill more than the people that you may do these terribly violent things to because they have to live with it. I mean, so they're I, living dead, essentially, yeah. and a lot of people say that when their loved ones are killed or, or hurt in a terrible way. And, and you know, and, and the jury at his trial kind of had to make an assessment of his mental state as well, and clearly they decided... I mean, it was a majority uh, verdict, actually, but they did they did decide that he wasn't um, mentally ill. He was just evil. He was he was an evil, evil, uh, evil man. And is there something worse? Sometimes it gets to me, and sometimes I think that's irrelevant. That when people pick on vulnerable people because they're easy targets, that somehow just cuts a bit deeper. Yeah, I mean that's the but that's the act of a bully, isn't it? That's the act of some you know picking on somebody you know to be weaker than you is just. Classic bullying, classic, um, just... And also they tend to live a two-faced kind of life. You know, <clears throat> people at work would describe him as a dutiful husband, you know, and that he was kind of quite quietly spoken. Oddly enough, he had a high-pitched voice. Did you oh, know maybe that? that's to do with his size seven shoes. Who else had a high-pitched voice that you've remarked on in court? Oh, Levi Belfield, of course. And talking of, you know, very dutiful husband... woman-hater. Yes, absolutely. And talking of dutiful husbands, of course, you know, the um, the night stalker, Richard Taylor, was very, you know, people in the area couldn't believe it was him when the police arrested him because he'd been caring for his disabled wife for many, many years. Or Fred West. What did Fred West he do? Was, oh, he constantly did DIY, didn't he, for Rose? <laughs> and <laughs> he, he was digging up his own garden. <laughs> well, yeah, it was part of his skill set. <laughs> yeah. But no, didn't he? Um, wasn't he quite henpecked by Rose? Oh, quite possibly, yes. I mean, certainly, I'm, I'm reasonably sure about that. <laughs> anyway, she had her beady eyes fixed on him behind those jam jars. <laughs> she specs. certainly is. So, so I mean, I'm not even. I don't think anybody wants to say R.I.P. Peter Sutcliffe. Um, I, I think what we want to say is R.I.H. I suppose, if you believe in that sort of thing, rest in hell. Um, anyway. Oh, um, my God, Ben. Did you like that? Did you like that? Was <laughs> Is that this good? for our American friends? That was for our American friends, yes. Um, R.I.H. Brilliant. Want... I'm never, never going to let you live that one down. <laughs> I want to move on. <laughs> now I know what to write on the card when you die. What do you think when you hear the name Tommy Pullhofer? Sounds a bit striptease-ish or porny. 
It does sound a bit porny. Well, Tommy Pullhofer has the unenviable fame now that he was... His photograph is on all over the internet and he is going to be forever known as the young man. Well, he's 32. Is he young? I suppose he's younger than me, so he is young. The young man who <laughs> had to have a mobile phone extracted from his anus after being involved in a car accident. Do he I was, get to tell any of these crimes these you days? Go for it. Yeah, this, I think this is, this is your, your name written all over it, hasn't it? Doctors, thank you. Doctors were a astonished to find a career criminal they were treating for a road accident had a phone rammed up his bottom a court heard tommy Paulhofer. i'm glad you pronounced it who's 32 as a traveler who spent his life stealing and breaking into homes as a child he was described as a modern day oliver twist having been first jailed at the age of 12 Paul Hoffer was jailed for seven years in 2009 for a series of street robberies and a bag snatch. He was admitted to King's College Hospital in September this year, suffering from serious injuries after he was run over. As Paul Hoffer was being x-rayed, the radiologist spotted a full-size note (laughs) mobile phone dipped in his rectum. Doctors suspected it must have been stolen. And notified the police. <laughs> you, wouldn't want it, you wouldn't want it back, would you? We we recovered your mobile phone with all your contacts and your photos on. Woohoo! Yeah, but it was up somebody's they... ass. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they supposed to just get the thing out instead of calling the police? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's not the first thing you think. All stolen property, I won't touch it. The man's got a full... When they say full-size mobile phone, most of you have probably got your phones near you. Have a look. (laughs) Yeah, but it wasn't one of those old-style ones. A Nokia. A big, 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 bricky Nokia. (laughs) Or was it a Motorola Flip? Maybe he's got a very muscular rain, a, a muscular rectum, and it sort of like unflipped the phone and caught. And maybe he, it was he that called the police by mistake. <laughs> he literally hey. butt dialed. Okay, there are two things that stand out to me here, right? <laughs> One of them is why would you have a phone in there just hanging about? Okay, if you, I know just that people smuggle them to and fro. Uh-huh. Well, with, I mean, okay. There's two reasons you would put up a, a, a mobile phone in your anus. Number one reason is to um, hide it. Number two reason is because you want to put it on vibrate and then get somebody to call you. Oh and I'm, well, we don't want to know about your weekend behaviour. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the police thought that. Uh, oh, did he nobody had... call, Lando? <laughs> I think the... <laughs> someone's ringing oh. me now. <laughs> Moon River. Um, so I think that I think that the, the police thought that he had stolen the phone and tried to hide it for some reason. But I mean, he's he's clearly not a champion. He was racially, racially abused to um, Asian police officers who were sent to the hospital to talk to him. Um, he called. He said to one, he was like a lanky <laughs> cunt, and he said to the other one, "You're a Muslim terrorist. Don't stand by the window. You'll blow it up." So he's he's kind of not really the funniest or wittiest. Is he? Um, <laughs> what planet is this guy on? <laughs> well, and the prosecutor said that when an X-ray revealed something concealed in his rectum, he was arrested on suspicion of theft. He tried to leave the bed and said he would kick 
the officer and would show him what would happen if someone touched him. And he scratched and dug his teeth into the officer's left hand twice and threatened to pass on the HIV virus. Obviously, this is in the days before COVID, but he would just cough. That's what I was going to say, yeah. He's obviously (laughs) out of touch. So, you know, I mean, and it actually drew blood from the police officer's left hand. So he's, uh, he's, he threatened he was, um, he's HIV positive. So um, he, he ripped a cannula, which is one of those big sort of injection things, out of his arm, causing blood to start squirting. We know what a cannula is, squirting. thanks. Oh, okay. Uh. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and he's, he, he he's grabbed a his own, individual. He grabbed his own blood and started throwing it at the officer. I mean, he's clearly Mr. Dirty Protest, isn't he? <laughs> He's got a lovely face. You can see it on our Twitter. <laughs> YDLMF podcast. Is that our Twitter? Did I get it right? And when you look at his previous, he's been jailed for seven years in 2009 for a series of street muggeries. Muggeries. He was jailed in two, uh, you 2000. You got that wrong because I you did. got punished by, for ignoring me. Oh, let me finish. You did not let me finish. I just asked was you it, what our it, Twitter was and you talked through me. You do that regularly. You know that. Okay, say, say the question again. I just asked you what our Twitter was, whether our I Twitter said is... YDLMF podcast. Did I say it, it right? It's at, yes, you're right. It's at Wide Dilemma Podcast. Okay, so he was, okay. so Paul, Paul Hoffer, <laughs> Paul Botty, <laughs> Paul Hoffer was, was, hang on, just Paul looking at his name. Bum. On, a, a Paul Phone Bum. Phony Bot <laughs> was jailed for seven years in 2009 for, for street robberies, or muggings. He was three, jailed for another three years in 2015 for knife point mugging and a bag snatch. <laughs> So apparently, the judge the judge said when he was sentencing him that he he was taken to hospital after apparently being deliberately run over. So clearly, there are, there are other people who don't really like. Um, Did, he also Paul ran a Hoffer. police officer over. <laughs> Tommy, what a champ! Listen to this. He was a modern day Oliver Twist after he squeezed into houses through the cat flap. <laughs> he does look quite worried. Just you can just even see that from his face. And what is it with haircuts of specific types of people? Are you talking about his severely brushed forward fringe? Yeah, what well, that's called a comb for comb. Hang on. No, comb over is where you go from side to side in an effort to conceal but baldness. But you notice that quite a lot of kind of guys who tend to get into fights in nightclubs have that <laughs> comb forward thing that uh, looks yeah. like it's been snipped, like a sort of Hitler moustache type of... <laughs> Hitler <yeah>. moustache. <laughs> <laughs> oh, while I'm thinking about Hitler... Yes. Um, uh, I'd like to talk about Glamorous News Lady and say a big hello because I haven't had much um, contact with her but what I do what contact I have had has um, sorry for the interjection but it's only because I'm going to forget it that's what it's all about if I don't say it do you remember that you were talking about Hitler being a painter and decorator yes (laughs) and I went I thought he was just a painter yeah well Glamorous news lady verified that fact, uh, that fact, and um, told me that she particularly chortled at that bit of the podcast, Good. and um, said that one of her friends had a Hitler painting in his bedroom. A Hitler painting. A real Hitler painting. How come? He liked collecting gruesome artifacts. Apparently, that uh, if gruesome artifacts are your thing, that really has got to take the biscuit, hasn't it? Goodness me! I mean, that would be a bit like. Um being able to collect a, I don't know, a, a Peter Sutcliffe, you know, spaghetti drawing or something, or collage. Did he do spaghetti drawings? No, I don't know. I'm making it up. <laughs> oh, I, don't. I, I wouldn't put it past him. And <laughs> do you know that Peter Sutcliffe... <laughs> I'm 
throwing out randoms today that um, he got... And I'm thinking 200,000 for having been attacked and one of his eyes being damaged in prison. <laughs> OK, well, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that. On one hand... Do you, you don't feel good about it, do you? No, I, well, I'm, I, I'm, it's, it's hardly causing me to dance a jig and sing with joy, but, you know, you ha if you have a criminal justice system, everybody has to be the same before the law. You can't have some kind of thing that says, right, once you've committed a crime, you, you then no longer... Um, get the benefit of the law. That's it. You forever. You, you you know. You he was punished. He was put in prison for the rest of his life. That was his punishment for what he did. Anything else that happens is it's, it's a bit like um, Yoath, is it Yoath Hoare, the guy who won the lottery when he was uh, on day release from prison? He was a rapist who won the lottery. Who? Yoath Hoare. I don't Hall? know this. This is brilliant. The story. Uh, Where have you been, Ben? Not anyone would think you did a crime podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yoworth Hoare is a. He was convicted of rape and he was on day release, bought a lottery ticket, won the jackpot. Oh my and god. Maybe it's one to pick up and talk about next time. What's his name? Yoworth Hoare. I O W O R T H H O A R E. Where's that name from? I think, it, is it Welsh? Oh, I'll go for the sun if I've got a choice. <laughs> the fewest oh, problems are better. Brilliant. <laughs> his mega lottery win. Lottery rapist! Why are they all shouting? <laughs> That's what the sun does. Oh, 7.2 million win. Shows his total contempt for passers-by as he spits in the street. <laughs> well, let's tie it up then. <clears throat> so, so I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> so Thomas Pullhofer, um, sad for him. He might have thought he was a local hard man, but he's now going to be forever known as the guy who had the mobile phone up his chuff when he was caught by the cops. Pullhofer um, just didn't pull it off. He didn't pull it out. Um, <laughs> but then that takes us happily, I think, onto our last story, which is... <laughs> if not a bit butt-clenchingly. Yeah, which is... I, I mean... I mean, talk about attention-seeking. I mean, you know, I understand that young people want to be famous and want and, and crave attention, and there are some real attention whores out there. But <laughs> that's a great but, intro. If you but, see that picture with the article, is that exactly with, what you think? I mean, no. look at the eyebrows. Oh, with the eyebrows, the bosoms. <laughs> uh, so, so oh, can I just tell you that yes. um, that round round ear? You know that there, there are a few people who've got in trouble. Like we we got uh, okay. I'm allowed to say this. Um, we got on one of their Facebooks and did like one of those searches that you can pull the photograph into Google. Did you know you can do that? I didn't know you could do that. You pull it into Google, and then any similar images you can find them elsewhere okay, so you can clever. find what they've been up to yeah and um and we did one of them who looks pretty much like this and mm. it came up with blow up doll <laughs> <laughs> this is the look and i do think if you look at this uh Jem calvert the civil servant who's dying of embarrassment so much so that she put this story on facebook numerous yes. times yeah i mean she reposted <laughs> it done interviews she was really happy about it so, so what Jem? Tell us what Jem wrote on Facebook. Okay, do you want me to do an accent? Where's she from? <laughs> Northern Ireland. Don't do the accent. Oh, I can't do that. Can you? Do you want to be her? <laughs> no, I, I do not. Want to, I don't want to be her. I've seen the size of the dildo. <laughs> it doesn't say that she was. Oh my god! But these photos. Have you seen the rest of them? Yes. <laughs> She's. She really doesn't want any attention at all. She certainly does not. I was cleaning my bathroom last night and bleaching everything and this dildo's been in it for months. So I took it out and stuck it on the wall while cleaning because why not? 
Yeah, so so I have this hilarious dildo in my house because who doesn't have one one that one of your friends have bought for hilarious jokes? Well, I think quite a few people. And if you have one, you say, ha ha, funny joke on the, the hen night or whatever you do. And then you put it away in a cupboard and forget about it. You don't, and it's kind of got a suction base. You don't ram it and stick it to your bathroom wall at what I can only describe as waist height. <laughs> Can I also say that I've just now scrolled down to a photograph that I presume is pretty much against government guidelines if you're working as a civil servant, as this lady is. <laughs> just your average civil servant. Looks pretty much like a blow-up doll, but she's wearing some kind of bondage harness, as well as... <laughs> OK, you have to look at this. As Maybe it's just me, but the background in her room is really messy. Makes me think she's a certain slovenly type of lady. No judgement here on you didn't let me finish podcast, of course. No, usually people kind of... No, no judgments. Judgment-free zone. You've got to see these photos, people. (laughs) I heard the door shut, then I realised about this stupid dildo stuck on the wall, and I actually wanted to scream because there was no TV or anything on in my house. Pure silence, just me and the dildo and my boiler man. (laughs) What I particularly like about the dildo, there's a lovely photograph of the dildo on the Scottish Daily Record website. What I particularly like is that it isn't actually just the penis, it's actually a nice pair of dangling testicles as well. (laughs) You know what I thought, though? Her toilet roll holder could do with some work. Why not just replace the toilet roll holder with a dildo? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great solution. Thank you. I mean, I wonder if the testicles are there to stop you losing the dildo. <laughs> it goes into, you can't get it out. You end up, you end up in, uh, like a bit like Tommy Pullhuffer. Oh, Pullhuffer is exactly the type of guy he should be introduced to Jem Galvert. <laughs> yeah. I'll swap, your, I'll swap you my phone for your dildo. <laughs> well, it's about his height as well. He could... Uh... Well, if he's crawling in through, if he's crawling in through the cat flap, he'll certainly be about the right height, won't he? (laughs) With his dexterosity, but he's a put that right next to the cat flap, and that would keep the gypsy thieves out. If you put those right next to the cat flap, open the cat flap and see that there's that big thing winging in their face. (laughs) I don't know if it would frighten him. He's obviously capable of a lot. This post has been shared 2,100 times and has had five and a half thousand likes from amused pals. <laughs> yeah, I bet, they, I bet okay. they're very amused. Do you want to know the, uh, the maintenance man's reaction? Go on. The other day I was at a client's house fixing a boiler. Oh, no, you be the maintenance man. Can you I see that? I don't know what you're reading, though, do I? <laughs> fixing a boiler when I saw this absolute weapon on the wall. When I went out to talk to her, she didn't seem to give a flying F star star K. Just got tagged in this. Turns out she actually did. (laughs) Please, I am so embarrassed, wrote Jem. I want to die 8,000 deaths. No, not just one death, not just 1,000 deaths, but 8,000 deaths. I thought shit like this only happened in fucking movies. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, this is is great. This is a lovely detail. Worst thing, he's my regular boiler man. So she's... (laughs) He's my regular boiler man. He's come to check her old boiler. He's the oh, regular dear. boiler man. Uh, can I just say that the mirror, which is where I'm getting this article from, has yeah. some really terrible articles. If you carry on, okay, you got like, oh, the Daily Mail, I got earwax. 
Look at this amazing find of earworks that are shut down. But this goes further down. It's got turds on someone's wall. It's oh, got God. hero mum's final moments as ex-partner burns her and kids alive on school run. How to get rid of skin tags. It's absolutely vile. Okay, that is pretty unpleasant. But this, yeah. Okay, what does this mean? Obviously you, what I've been searching. You're, you're, you're down with the kids. So she writes <laughs> on this, when she posts this photo of this massive dildo and she's stuck on her wall and mm. says, I have this hilarious dildo in my house because it's been bought for hilarious jokes. She then says, worst thing is he's my regular boiler man and when he came out of the toilet, he didn't say anything to me, complete silence, and I don't think I've ever taken a beamer like it in my life. What a does what? that mean? A, she says, how does it, has it spelt? Her, her B-E-A-M-E-R. So her original Facebook post where she put this up, she says, I don't think I've ever taken a beamer like it in my life. Oh, does she mean beaming smile? Well, it's the only word in the sentence with a capital letter, beamer. I mean, even her eyes, she puts small i. It's not as in BMW, beamer. But, but, but what's a beamer got to do with it? What, what has BMW got to do with anything in this context? Mm, I mean, I is beamer know. slang for dildo? Is she saying she's never taken a dildo like it in her I've life? I've got to say, her spelling and punctuation, um, I'd like to go at it with a red pen. <laughs> with a big red dildo. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to go out her with a big red dildo. Oh, that sounds very wrong. I don't mean that. <laughs> that sounds still, terrible. My mind's still trained on the fact that I've got a dodgy toilet roll holder and I might am considering getting one just to hold the toilet rolls up properly. <laughs> Better than the toilet roll holder. <laughs> Yeah, but also this spelling and punctuation and the way that uh, this young lady carries herself. Firstly, I'd, I'd be interested to know whether the civil service had anything to say. Her profile picture seems to have a very busty little picture on it there, from what I can see. Yeah, so I wonder if they took issue with this. I love her sign out. No one speak to me for the next month. Thanks, bye. With no punctuation at all. <laughs> It's the kind of thing my four-year-old would say. <laughs> when she, oh, when I tell her to do something she doesn't like. Thanks, bye. <laughs> so there we go. For a week it's been quite, in the news. Quite, quite a week, yes. Um, We've so... news to share. I've, my feet haven't touched the ground this week. It's very boring to say that, but... Uh... Nobody's interested in your news anyway. Oh, yes. I would like to know about other people. When I said it last week on last podcast about having trouble trying to convince my landlord about the antisocial behaviour around here, I wanted to know about other people's experience with their landlords or with their, you know, property managers or whatever, because I know that loads of people have had difficult experiences and I thought that you might be able to share your wisdom with me. You didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, if you have had any experiences that we'd like to know, likewise with um, all of the trivia that we put out, the uh, nuggets of information that we put out, if there's anything that uh, floats your boat, do let us know, or anything that's uh, indeed got you shouting at us <laughs> that you'd like to get involved about, please do. Excellent. Well, okay, then. On our Twitter as well, we're always checking our stuff. And I do post all the articles for you, so you can have a look at these beautiful people that we talk about. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's been good. So um, it's a goodbye from me. Mm, and it, it's a goodbye from me. We are, in fact, then. Yeah. Who, who used to say that? Uh, the two Ronnies, wasn't it? Yeah. Did one of them die not long ago? I think they're both dead, but I think one of them died before. One of them died quite recently. Ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, why are we like the two Ronnies, Ben? Um, because <laughs> we are. I don't know why we'd like the two Ronnies actually. I mean, the two uh, Ronnies well, are funny. Let me tell you this: 
Didn't we compare ourselves to them because they had a very bad off-screen relationship? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was them. If I'm wrong, correct someone will correct me. Um, thank you for listening. We really do love you more than each other. <laughs> OK, very quickly, I've just looked. and Ronnie Barker died in 2005 and Ronnie Corbett died in 2016. So, yes, they are both dead and one died more recently than the other. Cheers to the two Ronnies. <laughs> OK, bye. Bye.